Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Indie Reads Aloud. Today, we're going to be hearing from memoirist Keith Stone. He's going to be telling us his very unique story. Keith, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me, Diana. This is very exciting. It is fun. It's always fun to do something new. And I'm a nut for story, so any kind of story I can hear from anybody who wants to read it, I'm all for it. So thank you for doing the show today. Oh, this is a unique one. Yep, very good. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about Keith. Um, Keith writes from his home in Michigan, where he lives with his wife, Sarah, of 33 years. Due to a freak golf cart accident in 2015, he is a quadriplegic. By using special equipment, such as an oversized mouse, special keyboard, and voice-to-text software, he's able to write without difficulty. His recovery included nine days in ICU and six and a half months in rehabilitation hospital. He is not, his is not a tragic story, however. With the love and support of his wife, Sarah, and his two sons, Andrew and Matthew, he never gave up. His story is one of optimism, hard work, and the heroic people around him. Family members, doctors, nurses, therapists, and many more. God was with him every step of the way. He had many miraculous events occur around him that Keith believes God was responsible for. His recovery never stops. Keith continues doing outpatient rehabilitation and trying to provide inspiration for others. Keith, your story is just so fascinating to me, and I'm so glad that you have a YouTube channel so that we can also um, be a part of your progressing story. So thank you for sharing that with the world as well. Yes, very good. So today you're going to read from your book, The Optimistic Quadriplegic, and this is your memoir, correct? It is, yes. It's the entire time from the accident up to date. Excellent. Okay. What was your favorite part about writing this story? Um, Well, it wasn't easy to write because, you know, it was kind of such a tragic part of my life. But it reminded me of all the great people that helped me. And, uh, you know, the therapists, the doctors, my friends, my family. Um, It just went on and on. How many people cared about me and the love I felt throughout that whole journey. Fantastic. What an uplifting story. I'm really looking forward to hearing part of it. 
Um, I specifically did not start reading your book yet because I wanted to hear your reading today with fresh ears. So I'm really looking forward to this um, so that I can go back and read the book after your reading. Okay, great. I'm, I hope you like it. Thank you. So anytime you're ready, please read aloud. Okay, this is chapter one, um, right out, out of the gate. I can't move my arms or my legs. I can't move my arms or my legs. Those are my first words as a quadriplegic. It was August 16, 2015. My name is Keith Stone. This is my story. I had just finished my second round of golf for the day, and my cart partner, Greg Gilarowski, Gil, and I were headed back to the car to meet up with the rest of our group. It was the biggest golf weekend of the year with 15 of my closest friends. I was driving and must have taken a wrong turn somewhere. We had to cross a large concrete and grass area to get back to the cart path that would take us to the parking lot. Parts of this cart path had four inch high curbs on the sides of them. Nothing that I felt was consequential. I was anxious to get to dinner and was probably driving faster than I should have. Gil didn't like my rate of speed and yelled out, we're coming in hot. I then hit one of the curbs. My next recollection is one that would change my world forever. I was lying face down on a grassy area with my left arm just inches from my face. When I tried to get to my feet, I realized that I could not move or feel my arms or my legs. I can't fully describe how eerie it was to see my own body part lying right in front of my face and being unable to make it to respond to my brain's command. It was the strangest feeling I've ever had in my life. Everything was happening so quickly, there was very little time to dwell on it. Somehow I had the clarity of mind to yell out, I can't move my arms or my legs. I can't move my arms or my legs. This was the first of several miracles that occurred during my journey. If I hadn't been able to communicate the severity of my injuries, I could have been jostled around and my injuries could have been much worse, even fatal. Since there were no witnesses to the actual accident, I am left to speculate as to what happened. I do know that the car tipped over on the driver's side. All I could conclude is that I was ejected out of the cart just enough to have the roof of the cart come down on the right side of my neck. The group I was with are called the Griswolds. We are all like-minded men in our mid-50s. We enjoy golf, beer, and mercilessly ripping on any perceived weakness in a fellow Griswold. We all have children in the same age range and just now starting to become empty nesters. The name comes from the vacation movies whose patriarch was Clark W. Griswold. The Griswolds are a fairly organized group. We have our own logo, a moose based on Marty Moose, also from the vacation movies. We have a slogan, I'm in. This is the expected response when an email is sent out informing the group that a tea time has been scheduled for the upcoming weekend. We have flags that we attach to the golf carts for all tournaments. There is a website 
which contains all the past results from our different tournaments. We had gathered that weekend at Boyne Highlands Golf Resort in Harbor Springs, Michigan. This annual tournament consisted of four rounds of golf and was called the Classic. The 2015 event marked the 19th playing of the Classic. The group before Gil and I completed unloading their equipment into their car and were driving their golf carts to the cart return area. Joe Rowe was the first on the scene. By this time, the golf cart had been lifted off of me and the Boyne Islands employee on the scene was calling 911. Coming upon the scene, it was apparent to Joe that I was hurt and I needed immediate medical care. He called 911 from his cell phone as well. Bob Chapman, Chappie, and Pat Donnelly were next to arrive. They immediately noticed a lack of color in Joe's face. They saw Gil kneeling over me, trying to talk to me in a frantic state. Chappie came running over to check on Gil and took control of the scene. Gil was so distraught that he was unable to communicate with Chappie. At this point, Chappie noticed a new person on the scene. This stranger immediately took charge of my medical care. Although Chappie didn't know who this person was, he could tell by his demeanor that he had some type of medical training. It quickly became apparent that he was a volunteer first responder who must have been in the area as he had arrived so quickly. He took charge of the situation and when the ambulance arrived, he directed the EMTs as to how they should properly load me onto the backboard. He even had them rehearse this several times under his direction as he only had one chance to get it right. To this day, neither Chappie nor I have been able to identify who this person was, but will forever be grateful for his quick actions. Perhaps a gift from God sent by him to watch over me. According to the Griswold on the scene, the paramedics worked very quickly and I was in a neck collar on a backboard with an IV running within minutes of the paramedics arrival. I remember nothing about the ambulance ride. Steve Mormon, Moe, and Pat Donnelly rode with the sheriff to the hospital. Chappie and Gill followed behind by car. My next recollection is talking to them and my surgeon in the emergency room at McLaren Northern Hospital in Petoskey, Michigan. Dr. Chane Colin was a surgeon on call. In a situation like this, obviously I couldn't pick my doctor. However, I was blessed this small hospital in a remote Northern Michigan area had a world-class neurosurgeon on staff. Dr. Cohen is a 43-year-old graduate of the University of Puerto Rico School of Medicine. This included a rotation at Harvard Medical School. He did his postgraduate internships at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan. He had been on staff at McLaren Northern Michigan Hospital since 2009. At this time, I had no idea what a lasting impact he would have on my life and the lives of my family. After going through a variety of tests 
including an MRI, Dr. Cohen came in to talk with me about the results and the plan of action you would need to take. I don't have a great recollection of what Dr. Cohen looked like this night. All I can remember was a different type of hat he had on. I refer to it as an English racing hat. I don't know why that stuck with me. It's one of those weird little things that got my attention. Dr. Cohen did not pull any punches as he explained my condition to me. He told me I had fractured two of my vertebrae located at the C4 and C5 level. In addition, I had a 360 degree compression of my spinal cord at C3. Vertebrae are grouped into sections. The higher the injury on the spinal cord, the more paralysis can occur. C4 and C5 are very high on the spinal cord. Injuries this high generally result in quadriplegia. This means paralysis in the arms, hands, trunk, and legs. At the C3 level, a patient not, may not be able to breathe on their own. Due to the compression at C3, my friend saved my life by not moving me at the scene of the accident. Dr. Cohen made it clear to me that there was a possibility that I would not survive surgery. My biggest concern that I expressed to him was that I did not want to live the rest of my life dependent on a ventilator to breathe. He took this very seriously and he promised me that he would do everything possible to avoid this. Even through all this devastating news, I felt an overwhelming sense of peacefulness and calm. How could, how could um, sorry about that. How could this be possible when facing news of this type? I credit the presence of God as I am sure he was there with me as I laid in the emergency room, leaving all of this information. As we wrapped up our conversation, I asked Dr. Colin to be Superman. He made no promise that he could do that. He said he would try his best to have a successful surgery. I wasn't satisfied with that. And I told him, please be my Superman. Another supportive influence that night was the emergency room nurse, Peg. She had a very melodic voice and a warm personality. This made me feel relaxed in her presence. Her stated goal was just to do whatever I needed to make me comfortable. Whether that was a blanket or a conversation, whatever I needed. We had such quick interactions, but they meant so much to me during this very dark time. The hospital also had a pastor on call, Pastor Ed Warner. Pastor Warner was a kind, soft-spoken man that prayed with me while I was awaiting surgery. This helped bring a sense of peace and acceptance. I knew that I was okay with God and that I had turned everything over to him. Pastor Warner continued to be a presence throughout my stay at the hospital. Many other conversations were held with Chappie, Gill, and Moe. Donnelly chose to stay in the waiting room. The number one concern I had was for the welfare of my wife, Sarah. I told each of them, no matter what happened to me, they had to make sure that Sarah was well taken care of. I also told them my wishes of not wanting to rely 
and a ventilator to live. At no time in my life had I given this any thought at all, but now faced with the possibility, I was perseverating on the fact that I could possibly need a ventilator for the rest of my life. I told my three friends that if I died, I did not want to have a stoner fest golf tournament in my memory. This relates back to one of the Griswold tournaments, which is held in memory of Jeff Stemmerger. He was one of the original Griswolds, and I had known him since third grade. Jeff had esophageal cancer and suffered through that for several years. He died in 2006 at the age of 43. From that year on, we celebrated his life by playing a golf tournament called Burger Fest. We played this near the anniversary of his death in the final weekend of October. To further his memory, we imbibed on two of his favorite things, town club pop and pizza rolls. I loved Jeff and I loved the idea of the tournament to continue his memory. So I'm not sure why I was so against Stoner Fest, but I delayed the emergency room, I most certainly was. Somehow, on the darkest night of my life, I still managed a moment of humor. Gil had a reputation among the Griswolds as the worst golf cart driver amongst us. He had a couple of incidents over the years, the biggest being him running into a tree, which caused the roof of the golf cart to forward onto itself. I asked Gil to lean in, and I told him, you're off the hook. I am now the worst golf cart driver. Dr. Coleman wanted to perform surgery immediately. He also wanted to make sure that my loved ones were informed, informed of my condition. Together we called Sarah. That obviously was the most difficult conversation I've ever had. After Dr. Coleman spoke to Sarah, explaining the severity of my condition, he then had me speak to her one last time before my surgery. I tried to keep my composure. No one ever planned to have a conversation like that. The conversation was short as I needed to get into surgery as soon as possible. I told her how sorry I was that this happened, that I loved her and once again requested that I not be kept alive on a ventilator. And that concludes chapter one of the optimistic quadriplegic. Thank you very much. Wow, what a story. I'm very excited to read the rest of the book. I, I think it's just going to be fantastic. And, and as we are now becoming friends through our writing circle, I'm even more interested because we now have a personal connection. Absolutely. Connections are important, I've learned. And, uh, you will, you know, all the, all the people that were important just in that, you know, one hour span, um, you can imagine how many more people I've run into in the last six years that, that are, they do amazing things. A lot of professionals and friends. Um, it's very, very comforting to me. That's fantastic. I'm so glad that you have been courageous enough to tell us this story. I'm looking forward to reading it. And I know that our listeners will pick it up as well. 
thank you so much for joining me today and i hope you'll come back because i'd like to have you on again to read from your novel very good thank you diana thank you have a wonderful evening i will you do the same Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you are an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.